Everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a job for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Ah, but you're not alone. That's the key. You're in the Twilight Zone with everything old is new again. Douglas Viviani here sends David Cohn. He's in his own little Twilight Zone in New York City right now. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, long story short, we're going to visit with one of our favorite guests here, a gentleman that wrote this tremendous book called Rod Serling, His Life, Work, and Imagination. He's also the one of the forces behind what is called Serling Fest, which is going to be basically held this weekend, October 16th and 17th, uh, this upcoming weekend, I should say. So you've got time to make your plans to get to Binghamton. Uh, we'll talk about that in more detail, what that's all about. It's a, it's a real fun event. You know, we broadcast from the Star Trek conventions, the Doctor Who conventions, and uh, Serling is, a, is Fest is another one of those that is just so much fun. I'm telling you, you make your way over there. You're going to have a great time. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again, Nicholas Parisi. Hey, Doug. <laughs> it's it's so good to be back with you. Uh, really, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Show number five, believe it or not, that you're wow. on with us. So you're heading wow. towards uh, that position where you get the T-shirt you get to wear around town and it says Everything Old is New Again on it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about golden sombrero. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Rod Serling. Of course, most of our listeners know who he is and know the Twilight Zone and know that he's done many other things. And if not, go back to our prior shows. You can get them all now on all those uh, podcast locations. This is where we archive all our old shows, iHeartRadio and Deezer and all that stuff. But just to get a little some groundwork here from the mouth, would you say, from the voice of a gentleman that has studied and knows Rod Serling and his work more than anyone else. Again, Rod Serling, his work, uh, his life, work, and imagination by Nicholas Parisi is a book that will uh, will get you through these times and, and really add to your appreciation of Rod Serling. But uh, just in a nutshell, if you can, why should we still be interested in Rod Serling now in 2021? Wow, Doug. Well, I, you know, I think you'll uh, agree with me that, you know, Rod Serling, the Twilight Zone particularly, uh, seems more relevant now than it than it ever has. Uh, you know, we've lived through our, our Twilight Zone in reality these last couple of years. And and uh, I'll tell you, I'm working on something right now that's Serling related that kind of goes along with this exact concept that, you know, the Twilight Zone, a 60 year old television series, I mean, it, ended, it debuted 62 years ago. On October 2nd, 1959, it has, be, it has been the go-to 
uh, you know, it's the touchstone for people trying to make sense of what's go have, what has gone on in the world in the last really four or five years. Uh, you see, I mean, you don't have to go very far to, to on social media to scroll through and see memes of Rod Serling uh, introducing our former president, you know, uh, you know, to try and make sense of what went on during that administration. And you don't have to go far to see the Twilight Zone being invoked to describe uh, describe the COVID pandemic and and our isolation from each other and and our isolation uh, from each other in, in lots of different ways, actually, not just physically, but but uh, psychologically and emotionally. So it's amazing that the stories that Rod Serling told 60 years ago are being invoked repeatedly uh, to do, to describe our current uh, current circumstances. So so why should we care about Rod Serling? I mean, he was he was timeless. He wrote shows that were absolutely timeless. And this is just proving that over and over again. And I would agree with you. And, and I'll tell you, uh, we have people through the years and years and years that have commented upon, evaluated, and looked at all the work of Rod Serling, including people that were involved, like Jack Klugman did four Twilight Zone episodes through the five years it was on. And so let's just hear a smidge of, of what he has to say, sort of uh, catching us up as to also, again, why Rod Serling. Burgess Meredith and I joined the most. We did four each. No one did more than we did. And it was after the Velvet Alley, of course, that I was doing right. Gypsy. And uh, Rod called me personally and he said, I just wrote a nice half hour script I'd like you to do. I said, What are you talking I'm going to play, Rod. I can't do it. He said, Well, you have a vacation in January for two weeks. This only take a week. Come on out and have a vacation out here. Well, anything Rod says, what's it like? Well, it's a trumpet player. And it was a wonderful experience. Of course, working with Rod was always a wonderful experience. Every word was important. I mean, you didn't change words as you did in other shows when you worked for Rod or worked for Reggie Rose. And that was it. So each year, I did another one, and they were all wonderful. I didn't like the owl one, but the other three I liked. I liked the pool. It's my favorite. But it's just a wonderful show. It's because he's written such good words. Well, first, he always has power, no matter what he's talking about. And also, you love to roll his words around in your mouth. Now, Neil Simon, Herb Gardner, they're good for me. I like their words. They're rich, and their thoughts are rich, and there's always something underneath. It's never just what he's talking about. It's always another dimension. And that's what, you know, in a half-hour show, you don't usually get it. You look at that game of pool, it's got so much to say. There you go. It's hard to hear Jack Klugman, unfortunately, there. Not the uh, gentleman we recognize. I mean, he's the gentleman we recognize, of course, on Twilight Zone and also The Odd Couple, but he had some trouble with his voice back in the day. But uh, be that as it may, he said some amazing things about Rod Serling, great words, powerful message. Nicholas, I presume you agree and may want to amplify that. Who knows? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Rod Rod had a, a very si- well uh, simple for you know simple to say I guess, but he had a very simple philosophy of writing, and that is that all writing should say something. It should say something about something. You weren't only going to entertain the public. That was, of course, a big part of it. But you also wanted to say something about something. So I think that's what Klugman is talking about, is that when you wrote a story, when he, when he did a Rod Serling story, like uh, Passage for Trumpet is the first one he's talking about there. It was, you know, it was a very, you know, it was a heartwarming story about this guy who, uh, down on his luck trumpet player, who was contemplating suicide. And, and you wanted to say something about those types of people, the people who are forgotten 
in society, the people you just pass by and don't pay attention to, the people who aren't uh, successful by current definitions. And so Rod Sterling wanted to make some kind of statement about something. And every show it said something about something. And and I think that's what uh, Klugman's talking about. And that's what makes Rod Sterling uh, relevant uh, today. And the words, the prose, listen to this couple seconds. A sickness known as hate. Not a virus, not a microbe, not a germ, but a sickness nonetheless. Highly contagious, deadly in its effects. Don't look for it in the twilight zone. Look for it in the mirror. Look for it before the light goes out altogether. You know, I am uh, the night color me black, an episode certainly uh, of significance. They all have significance of the twilight zone. And, and yeah, you know, he's talking about timeless topics like hate and if you don't kind of if you just go through your life and you don't kind of think about what you're doing and and the effect you have on others and maybe the way you're thinking or at least keep an open mind to different topics and thoughts uh you may run into some trouble and i and i i think that that's to me what's so important about rod serling is like i say overall bend is that he is uh, timeless but he's timeless because of course of his words and his message, but also the way he's presenting it. Listen to those pros, right? I mean, it's amazing the way he he could twist a phrase. Oh yeah, yeah. There, I listen. There, there. It's always no matter who we're talking about or what we're talking about. It's always how you present things. You know, it, it's it's you can have the greatest message in the world or, or the greatest idea for a story. It's like Rod Serling said. You know, ideas are ideas are a dime a dozen. Anybody can have an idea. It's how you present the idea. It's how you how you how you produce the idea that matters. And so with Rod Sterling, yeah, I mean, he had all these great, he had great ideas and great messages, but he also presented them in exactly the right way, in exactly the most powerful way. And in the Twilight Zone, he had the added uh, advantage of what you just played. That's that's the closing narration in that episode, I Am the Night, Color Me Black. And that's the time when Rod Sterling could just come out and speak directly to the audience and say exactly what he was, what was he was talking about. He didn't have to put it in the mouths of characters or couch it in any particular way. He could just come right out and say, Hate. It's not a germ. It's not a microbe. It's it's contagious in its effects, and it's not only in the twilight zone. Look for it in the mirror. Uh, you know that's that's as, as blatant as you can get. And Rod Swing was able to do that in the twilight zone introductions and and outroductions. Right. right. Yeah. And he did it in such a way that was so uh, memorable. And but he also did it in a way it wasn't like you know you're in school learning a lesson. He did it in a way that made you interested in what he was saying and made you think about what he was saying. Unfortunately, we only have a couple seconds left. We will be back, of course, with Nicholas Paris. We're going to talk about uh, Serling Fest. Go to RodSerling.com, RodSerling.com, and you can get more information about this uh, great event, which is going to be uh, October 16 and 17 in Binghamton. We will talk. Talk about that when we get back right here on Everything Old's New Again. These days, the news is full of teen suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, bullying. It's depressing and concerning, but there is hope. WWE Intercontinental Champion Mark Merrow. Champion Choice is a live presentation that empowers students to make positive choices and live their best life. I teach students how to live a drug-free life, prevent bullying, avoid peer pressure, and keep negative people out of their lives. We are defined by our choices. There is hope. To schedule a Champion of Choices presentation for your school or organization, visit thinkpause.org. That's thinkpause.org. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Stay with the Friday night trail and it will lead you to the twilight zone, that mysterious region where the past, present, and future have no dividing line, whose boundaries are the extent of your imagination. Here your favorite performers star in unique roles, playing people who unwittingly leave reality behind. 
for strange excursions into the unknown. Now this gentleman would gladly leave reality behind. He's Leon Ames, and he suffers the slings and arrows of parenthood as the harassed father of the bride, which incidentally is the title of the new Friday night comedy series. Week after week, you'll find the most exciting gallery of Friday night entertainment on your favorite CBS channel. There we go, back here and everything old is new again, talking Rod Serling with the author of Rod Serling, His Life, Work, and Imagination, Nicholas Parisi, also talking about, I'm going to dive into a little bit here on the uh, the idea of what is Serling Fest and, and what's that, you know, where is it going to be specifically? We know it's in Binghamton, we know it's this weekend, October 16 and 17, or the weekend of 16 and 17, we'll get to that. Uh, but first, I just want to comment on that, I just found that very interesting, where back in the day, when we had TV Guide and we had only three stages, uh, there was a time when each station would kind of promote their lineup as it's upcoming in, say, September, right? And there was Rod Serling, 1961, telling us what the lineup was for, or some of the lineup, for, for Friday night. And I just thought it was, uh, have you ever, heard, you probably have heard that before, I guess? I have heard it, yeah, but it's it's not exactly common. Yeah, it's, it's a rare, that's a rare bit of audio. Yeah, and it's just fun to see him step out of, uh, the Twilight Zone, and actually used use his persona, and everyone knew when I guess in '61 they were listening to that. Who Rod Serling was, what it was all about, and you know what? Maybe I should watch this Father of Bride show also. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I listen. He was a, a successful pitchman, you know, and he did a whole lot of commercials after the Twilight Zone was over. Uh, so yeah, that was part of his his gig. Yeah, and, and earned the trust of us and many actors. We'll get to that, but tell us a little bit about what. What's happening the weekend of October 16 and 17 in Binghamton and where and how we can get more information about this? Well, yeah, thanks, Doug. This is this is our annual event. We let this last year. We had to go virtual because of covid uh, issues. But this year we'll be back in uh, in person, you know, with an actual event in Binghamton, New York. And in case your listeners don't know, Binghamton is Rod Serling's hometown. Rod Serling grew up in Binghamton. He loved Binghamton. And we've had this this event, Serling Fest. This is going to be our fifth one, our fifth annual event, including the virtual event last year. And it's going to be Saturday and Sunday, October 16th and 17th. October 16th, we're going to be at the the Broom County Forum Theater, which is on Water Street in Binghamton. It's a beautiful old theater uh, that we've had every one of our Sterling Fests at so far. And our guest of honor this year is going to be Mark Zickery, who wrote The Twilight Zone Companion. This is Mark's uh, going to be his first appearance at Sterling Fest, so we're really excited to have him this year. We've had... Pretty much almost every author who has written a Serling or Twilight Zone related book has been a guest at a prior Serling Fest, and this is going to be the first time for Mark. So it's it's going to be at the Forum Theater on Saturday, and then on Sunday, we're going to be at the Rod Serling School of the Fine Arts. It's at Binghamton High School, but Binghamton High School has a Rod Serling School of Fine Arts. And the theater at the school is the Helen Foley Theater, which was named after one of Rod's earliest mentors, Helen Foley, a teacher at Binghamton High School. So we're going to be at that theater on Sunday. It's going to be all day, 10 to 6 on Saturday, 10 to 4 on Sunday. Mark will be with us. We have a whole bunch of other events going on from uh, from all the participants. But the one thing I really want to stress is that the main reason we're having Sterling Fest and, and this year anyway, is to promote a Kickstarter. And the Kickstarter campaign is called As Timeless as Infinity, a Rod Serling Monument. And the goal behind the Kickstarter is to get is to get enough funds uh, raised to get a statue of Rod Serling built 
and installed in Recreation Park in Binghamton. So this is a big deal. Uh, we're not charging admission for Serling Fest this year, so there's no registration, no admission, just show up. And, uh, you know, we hope that it's going to attract a lot of locals with no admission. Just stop in, say hello, see what's going on, and hopefully donate to our Kickstarter campaign, which is going to launch that day, October 16th. So if you go to kickstarter.com and you look up Rod Serling in upcoming events, you'll see that that Kickstarter is going to launch on October 16th. And we, you know, we, we need to raise a significant amount of funds to get the statue made. But Rod Serling, you know, if anybody deserved the statue in Binghamton, it's Rod Serling. And so this is a long overdue honor that we're hoping to realize through Serling Fest, through the Kickstarter. And we hope that all of the Rod Serling admirers uh, help us make this uh, happen. And he was about homespun stories. He was about uh, uh, stories of growing up and of children and, and so forth and the timeless nature of being young. And that park, it's got a huge baseball field. It's It's got uh, another statue of a of, uh, cornerstone person in, in, I don't forget who it is, in, in Binghamton. Thanks. But it's also... It's there you go. And, it, but, and it's also, for what I understand, within walking distance from uh, his uh, home where he grew up, right, this park? Yeah, yeah, it's just a couple blocks away from 67 Bennett Avenue, which is where he grew up. The house is still there. The house pretty much looks just as it did when he grew up, when he was living there. And this is the park that, yeah, that inspired walking distance, the, the, the Twilight Zone episode. The carousel that Rod Sterling rode in Recreation Park is still there. There's still the same carousel, the same horses are still there. It's one of the, you know, it's an antique carousel. Uh, that's still there. And now the only difference is that now they've adorned it with pictures of, you know, Twilight's own artwork around the outside of the carousel. So to have a Rod Sterling statue in the vicinity of that carousel is really, uh, there's nothing more appropriate than that. Now, of course, while you're at Sterling Fest, you could take a ride by Rod Sterling's house. You're not going to knock on the door, but you could ride by and see where he grew up. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> right? And yeah. then, so a little extra novelty there. You go to dinner after the show and, and the, or after the convention, so to speak, and then you do that. Uh, now, uh, with respect to the statue, I presume you have the spot picked out, which I think I've seen that you promote, but also have approval for this. I mean, this is not like a questionable thing. Yeah. This is just you need the dough, and you, and you have the artist and all ready to go, and, and what? Yes, we are, we are. everything is lined up, and this is, uh, you know, to be real clear, this is, Kickstarter is all or nothing, so we either make, we either fund this or we don't, so we have this all lined up. If, this, if we get the funding for this, it will happen. So, yeah, we have the mayor of Binghamton is on board. He's very supportive of the idea. We have the uh, the artist there's a, a company called statues.com they're out in i believe in utah believe it or not but they do statues all across the country and they built they did a, a bust for us for our virtual serling fest last year that came out really great and they've done statues that are really really similar to what we have in mind for rod sterling so so they're a lot lined up to do the statue and everything the spot is picked out everything is ready to go do we know what the statue is going to look like? Not to unveil it now on the radio, so to speak, but it's all planned out in terms of what's he going to be doing, I guess. The proposal, yeah, the proposed uh, design of the statue, you can actually see at the Kickstarter site. So if you go to kickstarter.com and check out, again, upcoming uh, uh, Kickstarter uh, campaigns you'll and look up Rod Strong, you'll find it. And the proposed design is Rod in his classic standing statue, uh, standing pose with his hands cl uh, clasped across his chest, uh, kind of stepping forward. And behind him will be a door. 
uh, a door that's slanted to some extent, and on the door we'll we'll have inscribed the words, "You unlock this door with the key of imagination," and Rod Strong standing in front of it. So that that is the proposed uh, design for it. And I think he would love that in some ways because he was a he also did lots of lectures and he did try to explain the writing process. He did try to, uh, you know, in, what would you say, light the flame of others' imagination as well. So I think that this is a, a terrific, terrific legacy in my world for him and to uh, us to, to sort of visit either be virtually or in, in person and say, you know what, you know, there's more than just, you know, paying this mortgage and, and uh, going to the baseball game. Let, let's uh, let's, there's another side to all of us artistic in some way or another. I think it might be small, might be large, but you know, the more you flex that muscle, you know, the stronger it'll get. And I think that Rod would have enjoyed this. No. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, I think you put it well. Ah, terrific. How about that? I did something right today. All right. So <laughs> uh, let's take a listen to just for, for kicks. Uh, Richard Matheson, you spoke about writers. Uh, he talks about John Lithgow and William Shatner on that uh, famous episode with the gremlin on the plane. Let's just listen to that for a moment. Yeah, I didn't. The, uh, Lithgow is a wonderful actor, but uh, and he did the best he could. But I think he was asked to do an impossible job to start at 100% hysteria and work your way up from that. Whereas uh, when Bill Shatner did it, he was trying to control himself the whole time because he'd had a mental breakdown. And it, it was much more, I think, gripping that way. So it's interesting, Rod Serling, you could read uh, you know, his episodes. You could hear them on, <clears throat> excuse me, on various, uh, I think there's a radio uh, show that does his radio plays. And you could see the performances in the original show and thereafter. And I would suggest that his hand, when it was there personally on these things, had a, a, an effect upon the actors and, and how they worked. You tell me, a uh, few seconds here, uh, Shatner's experience with, with Rod Serling, and, and of course there was no Rod Serling involved in the movie, so it was a little different perspective. Yeah, well, in that particular uh, instance, I don't know if Rod Serling had much uh, effect there. And that, that actually, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, was written by Richard Matheson, actually, and that was the fifth season. So Rod Serling actually uh, was a little bit more hands-off at that point in the series. But I think you're absolutely right that Rod Serling's presence as a producer had a gigantic effect on the, on the Twilight Zone during the first three seasons. And there we go. And speaking of uh, Rod Serling and Twilight Zone, uh, listen, go to rodserling.com, rodserling.com. You can gather as much information as you like and more about all of what we're talking about here. There's Serling Fest, October 16 and 17. Get some information, get in the car and get over there. It's going to be a great time. We'll be back right at this and everything old is new again. David Cohen, have you heard of such a thing as called alcohol-infused spiked cherries? Not only have I heard of them, Doug, I have them and I've enjoyed them. What do you mean? What do you, how could you possibly have them? You went to Howie'sSpiked.com in advance of this commercial? Yes, I did. And they are delicious. How do you eat them? I'll tell you, we take them, my wife and I, after a long, hard day. We take the original spiked cherries, put them into a nice vodka gimlet, and they don't just sit there. They... They add an ambiance and a flavor to that drink that's beyond. And, you know, the 10% alcohol doesn't hurt. Well, I was going to say, I cut right to the chase. I eat them right out of the jar. And I prefer, actually, the balls of fire flavor versus the original. But both excellent. How about that? Listen, spiked cherries, something different, something tremendous, something really great for a drink, for jello shots. You can just eat them out of the jar, whatever you want to do. Howie's spiked.com, howie's spiked.com. 
this fantasy sequence dealt with this young man's father who uh, was a Japanese-American who signaled uh, Japanese planes at bomb uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh, it became something of a, it roused a little controversy with particularly uh, uh, Japanese-American and Asian-American civil liberties groups and advocacy groups. And so for that reason, CBS uh, pulled that episode. And it has a unique distinction of being the only Twilight Zone series that was aired only once. It, it's never been re-aired. Welcome back to Everything Old is New. Again, Douglas Viviani here with the author of Rod Serling, His Life, Work, and Imagination, Nicholas Parisi. Get on Amazon. Its book is still around. and I'm telling you, it is not going anywhere. It's an amazing work. You're really going to enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's something that dives not just into the Twilight Zone, but all of the work that Rod Serling has performed and written, and it's quite interesting behind-the-scenes uh, discussion for sure about all of that. If you want to learn more about Rod Serling, it's Rod Serling, his life, work, and imagination. And I thought it was interesting. There's quite a few accolades about this book, and one of them is uh, fans of Twilight Zone will rejoice, but this book is for more than the love letter to that series. It should be read by everyone, especially those who wish to see how the creative process can develop and grow over even a short lifetime, because Rod Serling did die, uh, unfortunately, prematurely, as we would say today, and left quite a legacy, right? Yeah, I mean, he was only 50 years old when he died in 1975, and the you know he started writing when he was 20 essentially 25 so you have it was basically a 25 year career in which he left behind this unbelievable um, you know amount of work you know not just the twilight zone i mean he, what i what i discovered one thing i discovered when i was writing the book and it, it was uh, you know just just uh, almost ac accidentally is that the twilight zone is essentially the the middle ground in in rod serling's uh, career he had if you look at rod serling's writing career his first script was uh, produced in 1950 the twilight zone debuted in 1959 he died in 1975 so you essentially have five years before the twilight zone i'm sorry 10 years before the twilight zone five years of the twilight zone and then 10 years after the twilight zone so the twilight zone is right smack dab in the middle and all of that stuff before and after the twilight zone has not been discussed in the amount of detail that I wanted to do in this book. And so that, that was one of the impetus you know, for doing this book is to describe all that other stuff that had been neglected, I think. And something that seems to be neglected, I guess, <clears throat> excuse me, George Takei was talking there from Star Trek, of course, Mr. Sulu, uh, about his experience on the show. And is that true? That his episode only aired, you know, and hasn't been aired through the reruns at this point? Uh, it that was, certainly was true when George Takei said that. I'm not sure when exactly he said that because, yeah, it was it was actually not the only episode that was only aired once. When the Twilight Zone first went into syndication, there were a handful of episodes, I believe six actually, that were held back for various reasons. There were a couple of lawsuits. Uh, there was um, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. It was an episode of the Twilight Zone, which the Twilight Zone bought to air. They actually only bought it to air once because it wasn't, the, uh, really a Twilight Zone episode. It was an independent film that they used, so that was never going to be in syndication, so that was one. And then there were a couple of lawsuits. And then, but the George Takei episode, which is called The Encounter, was held back because exactly what George Takei said. There was some some protest or some some you know protests from uh, from Asian American groups 
over the implication that there could have been Japanese Americans who helped guide the bombers into Pearl Harbor, which of course is absolutely false and no, no, no evidence of that whatsoever. And just the implication of that was a little too inflammatory. So they just, so CBS decided, let's just not even syndicate that. So it was not seen in syndication for decades afterward. It was finally was released on DVD and Blu-ray and, and, and so forth. And, and actually on VHS tape, I think it was the first time it was released. So, so he may, so, and I'm sure it has been added uh, to the sci-fi channel and those kind of things. So, so now you can see it, but back then, no, absolutely not. I, I would suggest that Rod Serling and Hill tell us right now had a reason for doing all of what we're doing or what he's doing and inspiring uh, people like yourself to continue with the legacy let's listen for 40 seconds listen to rod serling himself talking about what his writing is all about and why the artist must convey to his audience that the business of man by god is man and the audience must in turn acknowledge the fact that it is not enough to feel guilt or remorse or even pity for the condition of some of his fellow men he must do something. And all of us, we have an obligation to do something about it. So long as there is hunger, violence, wars, pollution, and prejudice and inhumanity, it isn't sufficient that someone like myself simply writes of it or that someone like you listens to it. We've got to do something about it. To know and not to care. That, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is the ultimate obscenity. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, no, or or maybe Nicholas Parisi. <laughs> oh God, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Uh, that's Rod Sterling in a nutshell. That is, he believed in not only the power of writing. As I said before, he believed that all writing must say something about something. So he believed that writing was power. You know, should be powerful enough to say to make a statement about something that, like he was he was talking about there. But also that it was you know that didn't really mean anything unless you then to the audience then took the next step and did something uh, with that with that with that that influence you know so and not only that but i think in in a lot of ways he was talking about television specifically he was talking about the fact that television reaches so many people and especially in that time when you like you said we only had three networks and television could reach millions and millions of people and he constantly felt this despair that it was being used for nonsense and that he understood that there's a time for green acres you know there's a time for gilligan's island that's that's okay but they're also television has a responsibility if it reaches that many people it has a responsibility to educate those people so there should be a time when you took television and used it for more than what it was being used for and that's that's what he's partly what he's saying uh, saying right there and i have to say i agree and we all if you really think about it agree you know there's a time and place for fun we do that on the show and and so forth there's also time for reflections there's also time for action and you know to just sit back and let the world go by and not at least try, at least in your own circle, uh, to have some influence uh, for the better. Of course, Twilight Zone Examined was the better, too. Uh, who, who's, who's to determine what is the better? But, uh, you know, to just go through life and, and not participate uh, is the ultimate obscenity, if you want to say. And that's what he said. Um, it was prophetic, too. Uh, listen to this um, little message here for, uh, for one minute. But I just listen to the way he presents this. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach 
the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. The chancellor, the late chancellor, was only partly correct. He was obsolete. But so is the state, the entity he worshipped. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind. Now, I uh, just saw last night Aida, a local uh, performance, which was terrific on Long Island. And it's presenting a story of individuals and the loss of their ability to control their freedom and their life uh, in some ways in the Egyptian society. And up until today... Uh, and through the revolution of the U.S. Uh, and so forth, there have always been or has always been this discussion of what's the perfect society and so forth. I'm not going to get to all that stuff. It's, too, it's a whole other show. However, to point this out and to continue to say, listen, basically, a government still needs to be questioned. No matter what, I don't care what side you're on and whatever. You, you still need to question who and what are making this, these decisions, and it's okay to question, and you should be questioning. Uh, that's that's our job as citizens, if nothing else, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, I, I would basically agree with that. That, of course, is from the obsolete man, which is one of Rod Sterling's most powerful statements. And it's you know, it's, you know, it's 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 funny that you know everybody interprets things differently. When Rod, when that episode aired. You know, and just to give, I guess, to give your listeners a real quick, uh, you know, synopsis of it. You know, it's about a man, uh, Burgess Meredith, who plays Romney Wordsworth, who is declared obsolete because he's a librarian. <laughs> and in this in this society, they have no more need for librarians. There's no more no more books. They banned all books, so why would they need a librarian? And so he's declared obsolete and sentenced to death. Well, well, Rod Sterling got got uh, hate mail. You know, got mail from people saying that this was communist propaganda. That that you know, and one letter in particular, I remember saying, you you know, do you really think that books are going to save us, you know, like almost like the anti-intellectual uh, side of things saying, oh, you and your books, you know, yeah, books are going to save us, you know, and, and it's and it was the exact opposite of my view. It's the exact opposite of what Rod Sterling was saying. This is not this is not pro-communist propaganda is anti-communist obviously it's a, it's about you know talking about that kind of state that would ins that would inflict that kind of you know uh restrictions on on human freedom you know so so everybody sees these things differently and it's and and uh but it gets people thinking you know and that's that's the most important thing Rod Sterling wrote this stuff and afterward you thought about it for a while exactly and that's the important part not just to live and think what we are in now has been forever and will always be this way we need to be vigilant and uh and at least be thoughtful about what we are doing as a people and even you know what you do every day in, in the small uh, world of, of of this but uh, uh boy how prophetic and, and how terrific to, to talk about this and more with nicholas parisi Let's get involved with RodSerling.com, the quick way to look for information uh, on Serling Fest, October 1617. Binghamton will be back right after this. Everything old's new again. Is it so bad where you're from? I thought so, Pop. I've been living in a dead run, and I was tired. And one day I knew I had to come back. I had to come back and get on a merry-go-round and eat cotton candy and listen to a band concert to stop and breathe and close my eyes and smell and listen. I guess we all want that. Maybe when you go back, Martin, you'll find that there are merry-go-rounds and band concerts where you are. Maybe you haven't been looking in the right place. You've been looking behind you, Martin. Try looking ahead. Uh, welcome back to Everything Old is New Again, uh, and we are 
all about that uh, episode, that theme, and we're doing a deep dive here, if you will, into Rod Serling, uh, his life, work, and imagination with Nicholas Parisi, and I want to say it's it's time to dive into the idea that even if you can't make the October 16th, 17th Serling Fest, you can participate in a Kickstarter campaign that will help to promote this legacy further by building and having you know funds to build a beautiful statue in Binghamton, walking distance from Rod Serling's home uh, to help to promote and remember this gentleman who should be remembered in my world through the ages. And again, we're here with Nicholas Parisi to, to talk about that a little bit. Nicholas, that's a walking uh, distance. I know one of your favorites, one of my favorites. Uh, but why is it one of our favorites and how does it tie in, if you will, to what you're doing here with the Kickstarter campaign? We can kind of repeat, but maybe in a different way, the idea that that carousel that was in that episode is right in the park where we want to do this uh, uh, statue. But also, why is why does that episode seem to tug on uh, something within us that makes us want to watch it over and over again and hear those those prophetic words oh god you know yeah it, it is one of my favorites if, if not my favorite twilight's own episode and i yeah i loved that episode from the first time i saw it when i was probably 10 years old so so it wasn't like uh an episode that grew on me as i got older but as i got older yes you do uh, appreciate it even more because it's about this man who's just gotten to the point in his life where he just he doesn't want anything more than just to go back and just like he said in that in that clip I just want to go back and stop and breathe and and think and and be a kid again, just to be a kid again, even if for, just for a day, you know, to to ride the merry-go-round and eat cotton candy. And that was Rod Serling at that time. You know, Martin Sloan, the the character in that show, was 36 years old. Rod Serling was 36 years old when that was when that aired. It was as autobiographical as he could be. It was uh, the park that he goes to is based on Recreation Park, which is in Binghamton, a couple blocks from Rod Sterling's house. Again, that's the carousel is there. Uh, right now, there is a, a marker in the bandstand in Recreation Park that says Rod Sterling, creator of walking, creator of Twilight Zone, walking distance. It was uh, as again as autobiographical as the Twilight Zone got, and we just I think that anybody who is is looking back on his life and saying you know how did I get here did I did I you know did I do the right thing did I accomplish enough am I am I am I being true to myself you know and thinking you know I would just like to go back and just start it all over again just do it over again I think that's a universal feeling and as you were talking about before it's 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 about the way you present it and those words and you know that is such a lyrical beautiful literal literally written episode uh there are quotes in that episode that give me the, the goosebumps every time i hear them and i've seen the episode 50 60 times you know it, they still make the hairs on my arm stand up so that was rod sterling at his finest uh, in that in that episode and 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 that's yeah that's what uh the rod sterling memorial foundation i'm the president of the rod sterling memorial foundation we were about preserving rod sterling's legacy and that's what the statue is about about putting that statue there so that anybody who comes to that park knows that one of the 20th century's greatest writers called binghamton home and loved the place and that's what we what we want to convey with that statue that this was rod sterling's park and he loved this place and 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 here here's who he was and also we think about this uh 30 years i don't know 50 years from now and that statue's still there and hopefully we're still around, but we've got some canes and we're walking around there and, and, and hearing and listening to maybe a 10-year-old uh, 
in the year, I don't know, whatever, 2040. And, and the kid says, what, what, the, what is this? And dad or granddad might be able to point out and explain and ignite the fire a little bit for this kid to watch some old episodes. I don't know. You tell me. I hope so. Yeah, I, I think that's the greatest thing. One of the great things about the Twilight Zone when kids get into it, I mean, you know, when, if a ten-year-old kid is exposed to the Twilight Zone now, you'd be surprised at how how they react to it. People think that oh, they're going to hate the black and white and everything. And you know what? If you tell them, you know, this isn't black and white, they're probably going to say, "Oh, I don't want to watch that. It's black and white." But if you just put it on within about thirty seconds, they forget that it's black and white, and they just get in, absorbed in the story. And the fact that these episodes were twenty-four minutes long, it's not you're not sitting them down for two hours. You're sitting down for 24 minutes well-told story and i guarantee you that more often than not these kids 10 11 12 years old are going to love the show if you pick the right episodes for them even a show like walking distance i agree and it's prophetic in some ways because i had a have a nine-year-old son and uh, last year i started showing him some of these and then all of a sudden he hey let's watch one now and oh it's a saturday afternoon let's put another one on and he's gotten into it and I think a good show for the future, I'm just thinking out loud, would be to have Nicholas Parisi, who's the author of Rod Serling, His Life, Work, and Imagination, the driving force behind the Serling Fest, which is October 16 and 17. That I guess you can get some more information, if you like, on or at rodserling.com, rodserling.com. He having a conversation as maybe a nine-and-a-half-year-old or a ten next time we have you on, Nicholas, and, and conversing with you about his favorite episodes and why. I don't know. I think it might be interesting uh, radio. Maybe we give it a shot. I don't know. I would, I would, I would love that. Yeah, I'm talking to kids about the Twilight Zone. Forget, I can do that for three hours, <laughs> no problem. And we will. All right, so there we go on that. Now, speaking of the future, the future is now 2019. There was an episode, or was two seasons on CBS of, of a remake of, of Twilight Zone. I shouldn't say remake, but new episodes. But they, uh, for the most part, there was a last episode of season one. I don't know if you saw it or not. I'm just going to play you the ending here of an episode called Blurry Man and see what your reaction is to this. What do we do when our world is turned upside down? When everything we thought to be true is ripped away and we're forced to face a new reality. Sophie Gilson has just awoken to the fact that when we put away childish things, we may be closing our eyes instead of opening them. And that perhaps our only hope is to face all reality. A multitude of truths not shrinking from that vinyl, arrogant, fatal, dominant X beyond imagination, but to embrace it, to open ourselves to the unknown, not the end of the story, but a new beginning for the Twilight Zone. Now, of course, it's an imitation of, of Rod Serling, of course, a uh, pretty good one. But more than that, those words, I could have seen Rod Serling writing those words. But uh, let me, I shouldn't have said my opinion. Let's just see what Nicholas Parisi has to say about that. I did not have any problem whatsoever with the words they put in Rod's mouth there. I thought that was a, that was appropriate. Um, you know, there has been, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, in uh, the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation, there was a lot of uh, discussion and debate about whether this whole thing was appropriate about having a virtual version of Rod Serling. You know, this was a kind of a deep fake kind of thing, you know, having him on screen and saying words that he never spoke before and putting those words in his mouth. I, my position on it was that, like I said, I, I thought those words were very appropriate. I didn't find anything offensive about those words whatsoever. And I, I tell you, I watched six of the 10 first season episodes of that new Twilight Zone, including that last 
last one, and I thought that last one was by far the best of the, of the six that I watched, and by miles, I liked it a lot. And the message that I got from that episode was that, and again, this is up to interpretation. You know, everybody looks at this differently, but my interpretation of that episode was that the ending, and to kind of, kind of spoil it if anybody hasn't seen it, but the ending kind of, to me, imp- implied that Rod Serling was watching over the, their shoulders, you know, was watching over the shoulder of the creators of this show and saying, you know, I hope you do this as good as it could be. I'm, I'm, I'm watching, you know, do it, make me proud kind of, kind of position. And that, that's how I took it. So I was, I got the chills seeing Serling show up on screen at the end of that episode. I had no problem with the words he said. And I, you know, yeah. So I liked that episode. I wish I could say the same for a lot of the other episodes that I've watched, but that one I liked very much. I agree. And we had the subject for another, another time is all the incarnations of, of Twilight Zone and how most of them have fallen short for the most part, which amplifies the importance of and significance of the work that Rod Serling has done, not only with Twilight Zone, with other things. We've talked about that in the past, uh, and you can look those shows up for sure, and we'll talk about it in the future. But right now, the last couple of minutes, I want to talk about, again, the Kickstarter campaign. What if someone's listening to this on the, you know, the podcast after we've aired, uh, and the Kickstarter's already started? How do you, just for kicks, how do you find the Kickstarter campaign and contribute to this? Well, it's, uh, you know, go to kickstarter.com is the first thing. That's the website, kickstarter.com, and it's going to launch on October 16th. So once it, once it launches, it's going to last for 30 days. So it'll last through October, through November 15th or 16th. So um, so anytime in that month, you can go on kickstarter.com, just look up Rod Sterling, or the name of the Kickstarter is As Timeless As Infinity, a Rod Sterling monument, and you can donate. And there's going to be, I think, about 13 different tiers of donation levels of things you can receive in exchange for donations. So I'll just give you a real quick breakdown. I mean, there's going to be uh, busts from statue.com of, of Rod Sterling, Rod Sterling, you know, bronze busts. There's going to be replicas of the actual statue, about 14 inches high of the actual statue. There are going to be bricks that you can have that can actually be installed in the base of the statue with your own personalized message for, you know, to have them installed there and have them last forever and ever uh, as part of the statue presentation. There's going to be those. There's going to be things like T-shirts and calendars and prints and things like that. So so you can donate any amount you'd like, but up to, you know, certain levels. We'll have certain levels of donations for items that you can receive in in, uh, in exchange. So so go to Kickstarter.com. Look it up. RodSterling.com will have the information and and that's that's basically it so we're hoping that this is a you know a big uh, big success i am too rod serling his life work and imagination nicholas parisi serling has been a timeless for all of us and let's let's make him timeless uh in in at least in the binghamton park there uh rod serling.com is another way to get some information nicholas please thank you so much for being with us on everything old is new again i'm looking forward to your debate with my nine-year-old leo about the twilight zone down the line <laughs> all right leo you're on thanks thanks doug i appreciate it my pleasure great to talk to you we'll be back uh, next week talk all good things everything old is new again 